Well, what a wonderfully focused worship and a very simple worship. You know, we start out with, uh, I love your grace. I love your mercy. I love the way you help me when I call. I love your truth. I love the power of your name. But you know, I love your presence most of all. And we close with, it's all about Christ in you. It's just a very simple theme. And, and so the sermon is going to be simple. I, I have a bad habit of making the most simple things very complicated. And I'll try not to do that this morning. I'll give you enough details so that you can understand this very simple concept. Because in this passage itself, Jesus keeps using the same words over and over again. Abide, fruit, same ideas, just in a different arrangement over and over again. He's focused on this one very simple thing. Now, the great thing about this chapter 15 is that it paints for us a magnificent picture of the structure of eternal life. What he does is he, he, uh, the, uh, the Apostle John takes the imagery of chapter 13. Remember where, where Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And, and that's about cleansing their feet. Now, in chapter 15, he tells us what cleansing really is. The cleansing of the inside comes with the pruning back of parts of our lives. That's cleansing. I'll explain that to you in a minute. And then, chapter 14 talks about the Holy Spirit. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit. I will be in you, it says. And so, chapter 15 is going to paint us the picture of what that looks like. The connection that is necessary for that. Now, the last words of chapter 14 are are, are these. Arise and let us go. And so, this is really a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples toward the Garden of Gethsemane. And you all know what happens at the Garden of Gethsemane. Just as he knows that they're about to say goodbye. What happens when you're about to say goodbye? You know, you're walking out to the car with somebody. Not going to see him for a long time. What do you say? Let's keep in touch. Let's keep in touch. This is what Jesus is saying. This is how we're going to keep in touch. This is how we're going to keep in contact. Now, he goes from what he usually uses in in, uh, many scriptures is is a... a zoological imagery, that is a, an animal imagery. Um, sheep, birds, whatever. Now he's going to use a botanical imagery. What's the difference? Why, why would he use this? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Historically, um, the, the Jews saw themselves as the, as the vineyard of God, as the grapevine of God. As a matter of fact, that, that there's an image painted on the temple, or there, there was an image engraved on the temple of the grapevine, because they saw themselves as that. The problem was this, that, that both in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah, God had this to say against them, you have grown wild and become unfruitful. And so Jesus starts this conversation this way, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now, what exactly does that mean? And, and what, what does it mean to have the, the, the whole imagery of a grapevine here? Well, let me, let me go into it just a little bit. Uh, it won't make it complicated, just give you some details. This is the art, by the way, of viticulture. That is the art of being a vine keeper. Andrew Murray says that one of the advantages 
of this analogy, this extended metaphor, is that it is a lesson in entire consecration. In other words, there, vine wood, the wood of a, of a grapevine, is good for absolutely nothing if it's not producing fruit. Absolutely nothing. Um, you, you never heard of somebody building a house out of vine wood. Just doesn't happen. Building furniture, there is no furniture built out of vine wood. Uh, it's just no good for building furniture. It's just too flimsy, too, um, too scattered. You can't, even, you can't even build a tent peg out of vine wood because, because it just, you hammer and it just splinters or it bends. It's not good for anything except producing fruit. That's a lesson in entire consecration. Guess what, gang? We are not good for anything except producing fruit. That's why we were put here. And when we put our efforts into a lot of other stuff, we're, we're, we're not suited for that. That's not why we're here. So Jesus uses this in a very limited and very focused sense. Now, let's talk about um, this whole pruning thing. The, 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 verse, the second verse says this. It says you have this choice if you're a Christian. You can be pruned... Well, there isn't any choice. Listen. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, prunes away. And uh, you can see in verse 6 what happens to it. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it might bear more fruit. Now, let's talk about the actual caretaking of a vine, how this is so appropriate for us. If our whole goal, if our whole purpose in this life is to produce fruit, then, then... God, the vine dresser, is going to take away from us everything that doesn't produce fruit. Um, in the first place, he's going to take away uh, from us or us away from that to which we're not attached. There are a lot of relationships in this world that seem very busy, that seem very active. They don't produce fruit. And sooner or later, you know what? They're going to drift away. They're just going to drift away because they're just activity. They're not commitment. You have those in your life. People who, don't, who are never really attached to you. And, and, and they don't, they don't, it's not productive. It's just, just kind of fun for a while. And then they go away. We say that in the church all the time. You know, people come in. They get all religious for about six weeks. And then they just go away. They just, they just float away. Now, the point here is that there can, there can be a lot of activity without actual commitment. Like, kind of like the kamikaze pilot who flew 17 missions. You know? <laughs> You can, you can be real busy, but not have commitment. And, 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 and so that is what, what God sees as just dead wood. And, and as a matter of fact, it's good that that goes away because the dead wood, if, it, if dead wood stays on a vine, it attracts disease. It makes the vine sick. And so therefore, a vine dresser will cut that off and separate it. And, and, and like I said, he'll throw it in the fire the thing is, it doesn't even make a good fire because it's so porous that it's like paper. Just You can't cook anything on it. You can't even cook a sacrifice on it because it has no lasting heat. That's how useless it is. So anyhow, that's, that's, but then it says this, this amazing thing. And if you're productive, he's going to prune you anyhow. Some of you are going through that right now. You're going, I didn't do anything wrong. What's up with that? I didn't do anything wrong. Well, here's what God wants to make sure of. First of all, just because you have life 
and you're sticking to the vine doesn't mean you have productive activity. Now, now let's, let's go through this. Some of you who, who grew up around vineyards know that there are two types of pruning of living um, 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 activity that are necessary to make a vine fruitful. Because unless this happens, the vine will put its energy, its life, into something that's not fruit. First of all, there is, very close to the vine, on the branch, there are what are called uh, sucker shoots that come out. Sucker shoots, you've seen these on trees, you've seen them. They're just little leaves that come out of the, of the, of the branch. And, and uh, they are of absolutely no value except to make it prettier. Um, and so these things grow very close. And by the way, this is where the, the whole way of, of, of uh, cleansing and, and pruning come together. Because these things capture dirt and other leaves and, and um, various forms of debris. And so the, the vine dresser will come on and he'll cut them off. You know Why? Because he doesn't want that vine wasting its energy on accessories. How many people do you know, by the way, maybe you might be some of them, who spend a lot of your life accessorizing your life? Putting your resources into stuff that really doesn't matter. Read your credit card bill next time it comes. And see how much of that stuff is accessory. And you know what? God, God sooner or later will cut that off. So maybe he'll cut your credit card off. I don't know. But so sooner or later you're going to cut it off. He's going to prune it. Because even though it's possible, even though it looks like that's where you, that's not what you want. So, so God will cut off that accessorizing, you know, activity we have. But here's another thing. This is the most surprising thing. Sometimes, no, often he'll cut off wood that's actually alive. You know Why? Because our job is not to grow wood. Our job is not to grow wood. Our job is to grow fruit. How many Christians do you know that think that their whole purpose here on earth is to grow as a Christian? I just want to grow in the Lord. How many times do you hear that? I just want to grow in Christ. Man, every time I hear that, I'm thinking, that's not why you're here. You're here to do somebody else some good. That's why you're here. A grapevine that is putting its energy into growing wood is not putting its energy into growing fruit. And so that, that vine dresser will cut that branch all the way back almost to the stub so that that branch will grow not wood but fruit. Some of you are going through that right now. You've done what's right. You've, you've, you've done, you've done uh, what, what has grown you as a person, and then all of a sudden, boom, what you think you ought to have, you don't have. God is pruning you even though you haven't gone wrong, you've gone right. You know why? Because that will make you more fruitful than just growing as a person. I talked to a dad the other day who said he has this, really, this son who's a high achiever. Son's 15 years old, got his first B. He said, you had a smart one, didn't you? I said, yeah, I had a smart one. He said, what do you do when they get their first B? And I said, you celebrate. And let me tell you why. In the first place, you celebrate that he's 15 years old. He never got a B before. He's driven. He's a high achiever. That's cool. But in the second place, and he told me a little bit about the circumstance of this B. He said, you know, the, 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 this is one where the kid really, I mean, had earned, had earned an A like, like he'd always earned an A. But the, kind of the teacher got an attitude and gave him all B's. 
And I said, that is so great for that kid. You know why? Because all your life, you're going to face injustice. All your life, you're going to face situations where you get, you get things you don't deserve and don't get things you do deserve. And you've got to learn, the earlier the better, how to cope with real life. I said, that B will do that kid more good in his character than that A ever could have. Now, sometimes, no a lot, God is building character, not accomplishment. And that character, long term, will be much better for us, much more effective for God than our own accomplishment will. So don't get discouraged just because you didn't accomplish what you thought. No, God's building character there. That's good. He's the vine dresser and he's going to cut you off so that you can be more fruitful. Now, let's let's go back and, and take a look at that, that he just keeps. The only thing he mentions more than uh, more than abide here is fruit, 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 fruit. Be, get bear fruit, bear more fruit, bear much fruit. And he just keeps saying that over and over again. Number two or verse two, more fruit. Number verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. And he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Now, what do they mean when they talk about fruit? What's the analogy stand for here? Well, let's talk about that. For a There's at least two immediate things that come to mind. First of all, he's talking about the characteristics that come naturally to us when we are attached to God, when we're close to God. Before I forget this, by the way, the center of this thing is, so you can keep coming back to it. When he says, abide in me, that verb tense and mood is a present imperative verb tense and mood, and it means something that requires consistent and repeated action. Now, this is where the analogy of the plant breaks down. You've got to take a little break here. Because he's talking about our will. And what he means by abiding Christ is very simple. Okay, you ready for this? Very simple. Whenever you have a choice in life, choose that which brings you closer to Christ instead of that which takes you away from Christ. Very simple. It's the most simple, most simple concept in the world. You all have choices every day. You have choices in the language that you use. You have choices in the people you hang around. You have choices in what you watch. You have choices in what you read. Whenever you have a choice, choose that thing that will bring you one step closer to Christ and you are abiding in Christ. And when you abide in Christ, this is the cool thing. What you see flow through your life will be greater than any effort you ever could have put into good works, any effort you ever could have been put into accomplishment. Because what happens is, you begin to bear fruit naturally. Let me, let me first discuss what this fruit is. The fruit is the characteristics of God. You've, you've, you've read Galatians chapter 5, where it lists the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, um, perseverance, and so on and so forth. You know, when, you're hang when you are close to Christ, you have those things in your life. You don't have to try, okay, I got to love, got to love, got to love. You just have them because that's what Christ gives you in that closeness. And when you have those things, when you have joy in your life, man, you stick out in the world like a, like a well thumb, <laughs> not a sore thumb, a well thumb. When somebody looks at you and says, how are you doing? You go, terrific. They go, whoa, 
Did he say terrific? He didn't whine. He didn't whine at all. Well, maybe I'm doing better than I think. You know, it's just a, it's a blessing to have somebody just with those characters, characteristics. And when you are close to Christ, those are the characteristics you have in your life. But secondly, God blesses your ministry through your spiritual gifts. Through the Holy Spirit flowing in the special way God made you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists many of these. God has given all of us a different gift mix. Now I've heard some people say, well, fruits are converts. Well, you know what? I don't like that very good. I don't like that very well because I'll tell you why. In the first place, I don't like people looking at other people like they're potential fruit, you know? Hey, here comes somebody could be my fruit. You know, it just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't sound right like the right motivation. Yeah, I could win that guy to God, put another notch on my Bible. You know, it could be my fruit. It's just, it's not. What happens is this. When you are close to Christ, he's given you a certain spiritual gift mix. There are certain things you are naturally good at. You don't have to think about it because you're pre-wired that way. Some of you have the gift of mercy. And when you're close to Christ, wherever you go, you have a natural compassion for people. And when they're hurting, I mean, you, you can intuit when they're hurting and your heart just goes out to them. It's not something where you go, I've got to try to be compassionate here. It is, you're just, oh man, you what? Oh, that hurts my heart. That's just how you are. And what happens is that person gets healed partially from the compassion of Christ that's coming through you. And so wherever you go, there are people who go, ah, oh, that really helped. I, I, I feel a little bit better. I feel cared for. I feel nurtured. Some of you have the gift of service. And wherever you go, if somebody needs something, you'll just do it. I mean, you won't say, hmm, I wonder if I should buy some shoes. Doesn't seem to have any shoes. You'll just, you'll just do it. You'll see to it that they get what they need. Some of you have the gift of uh, encouragement. And wherever you go, you're going to encourage people. You're going to say, oh, you're great. Oh, man, I appreciate this. About oh, this is fantastic. And people are going to, they're going to be blessed. And you're, they're going to be built up in their life simply because you were there. And you don't, you don't even recognize what you've done. They just, you walk away and you leave a different person. Some of you who have the gift of evangelism will indeed win converts. Because that's how you're wired. I mean, you get on an elevator and you just turn to the guy next to you and say, no Jesus? <laughs> I mean, and, the, and the people there are going, well, no, well, explain him to me. You know, if you have that gift, you don't threaten people. I don't have that. I don't have that particular gift. And I witness a great deal of time, but my eye always twitches. I go, hey, do you know Jesus? You know, and people can tell I'm a little nervous, you know, little beads of sweat, you know. And I do it out of obedience because I want people to know Jesus, but I don't, I, it's not a natural thing. By the way, all of these, all of these are what all of us should do whenever we have opportunity. We all should be compassionate. We all should be encouraging. We all should be um, 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 serving, we all, all of that. Yeah, but there are some people who that's just who they are. And when they're close to Christ, that's what's going to flow through. They don't have a strategy. You don't, you, don't have, you don't have somebody with a gift of mercy get up in the morning and go, I'm going to go out and be merciful to that person. That's just who they are. When you look at a vine, if you could listen to a vine, that's, I'm sorry, a branch that attached, that's attached to a vine, you wouldn't hear this. 
okay, I'm on the vine. I, I got an attachment. Must produce grapes. <laughs> Come on, grapes. <laughs> Gotta get a grape. That's not what happens. That's not what you hear. You, if, you, if you're listening to a branch, you could listen to a branch, you'd hear this. <laughs> nice day. Ah, little rain. Oh, yeah. Oh, love being a branch. Hey, got some grapes. <laughs> See, that's what you'd hear. That's what your life ought to be. You, you don't have to sweat this. Stay close to Christ. And what, what the Bible is saying is this is such a natural process. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that we've got to pay attention to. Because we live in a society that drifts off. Have you noticed that? We don't, we don't stay very attached in our relationships. We don't know how to do that very well anymore. And whenever we think we, think we can trade up, we trade up. The problem is we start over 45 times. And so we never make any progress and we never get intimate. What we've got to do is we've got to attach. We've got to attach. Because here's the secret. Christ said, if you abide in me, then I'll abide in you. And he kept saying over and over again, if you abide in me, then I will go through you. And um, it says, for apart from me, you cannot, you cannot do anything. Now, here's, here's the imagery. Let me, let me show you this. There are people... Who just kind of, and this is how they kind of live Christianity. Well, I'm a Christian. I'll just float around. Lord, anoint me. Pour your blessing on me. And, and, they, and, and they just kind of, but they have no base. They, they, now, let me, let me ask you. You really think God's just going to follow them around? Just anoint them, you know? Chase them. Okay, come here. Come here. I got to anoint you. God's not going to, watch. This is how it works. Just like a branch needs a vine, so we need to be committed somewhere. In, in, in Romans chapter 11, there is this passage about grafting into the vine. Now what happens um, botanically, uh, physiologically, when that, when that happens is that both the branch and the vine are woven together by fibers, by filaments that weave themselves together. And when that that grafting then is complete, then the full force of the, the, of the water and of the sap can go through that particular branch. So too, we must be attached somewhere to the body, somewhere to Christ. We've got to have that attachment. I've got a, a, a my younger one watches a, a lot of surgeries uh, these days. And he comes back and he describes these surgeries to me. And I won't describe them in the detail he does because you all have to eat afterwards. But I'm absolutely fascinated with what he sees. And he was describing a, 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 an open heart surgery one day. And he was talking about this, this vas he's, he's watching this vascular surgeon just right in there with him. you know. And the guy's explaining to him. These doctors are so great. They explain what they're doing as they go along. And he said, you could not believe this guy's hand. He said he was, he was doing stitches so fast you couldn't even see his fingers. And, and, and he said when he got done, it was like a sewing machine. It was so perfect. So this guy's just stitching this. But what he has to do is he has to take a vein and he has to stitch it to another vein. 
Now, in this particular case, it was an 85-year-old man who had a lot of, of uh, physiological damage, vascular damage. And, and he got done stitching, and he took his hand off. I, I do have to be a little bit graphic here. And the blood just kept going, like, you know, out there. And so he goes, you know. And so he stitched some more. And, and finally, I don't want, want you to worry about it. The guy survived. He's okay. But, but finally... He, he was not done with that operation until there was integrity in the union, until there was integrity in the structural union. He wouldn't say, you know, this guy's about two quarts low on blood. Just stick a tube in there and fill him up. No, there has to be, there has to be a structure through which that blood can flow so it gets to the whole body. That's important for us, too. The reason that if you're not married and you're living together, the chances of your relationship surviving for very long is almost nil is because you don't have the structure to your relationship. God knew that when he instituted marriage. The reason we have such a huge, we have a very high turnover rate in this body. And part of it's just my fault because I never realized until recently how important structural union is. When I got here, they didn't have membership. I mean, there were only a couple hundred of us, and we kind of knew who was missing and who wasn't. And, 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 and so, but a couple years later, the church started growing, and, and you know, the Presbyterians and Methodists would show up and say, so where did I put my letter of transfer? And we'd say, well, okay, we've got to have a membership thing. So we, so we got a membership thing going. But we didn't emphasize it. That was, but here's the, here's the deal, and we have a membership class next Saturday, as a matter of fact, if anybody wants to avail themselves of that. What I didn't realize was it is so important before people can feel like they've got the liberty to minister to have a base of that, to have a structural connection. That is the importance of a, of, of, of a committed and focused connection to a ministry. You've got to have that. That's in the design. And so therefore, Jesus was saying, Abide. There's something you can do to abide in me. You can commit at a point. And you can say, this is, my, this is where I connect with Christ. And when you do that, then the flow is going to happen. You're not only have the structural union, you'll have the vital union. And the flow will happen. Now remember, this, this, is, where I, this is where I... After you connect, you're a branch. That's your only job. I love this job, by the way. You know, what a, you know what the job of a branch is? Just stay connected. Just stay connected to God and to people. Stay connected. When, when I first got here, they said, what do you think your part in this body is going to be? And I said, I just want to be the neck. And they said, what do you mean the neck? And I said, well, I'm not the head of the body. That's Christ. I'm not the body. That's you. I won't be the neck. I just want to be the link. I want, to, when I want to, as I learn from Christ, just get it to you, see what you do with it. Your job as a branch is just to be a link. It's a wonderful job. All you, gotta, you don't have to produce anything on your own. You just have to be in touch with God and watch what He produces. And be linked with... And, and somehow... What God is producing in the lives of others will flow through you, and you'll just watch, and you'll think, that's great. One of the, one of the great opportunities we have, or I have in the, in the near future, starting July 31st, this is a little announcement, is a linking ministry. 
I'm going to go. I'm going to be on uh, channel uh, 52, five nights a week, seven o'clock at night. Um, in between the evening news and primetime entertainment, which is a great spot uh, for, a, for a little bit of good news. And my whole, my whole joy in this thing is going to be an interview program, and I'm just going to interview Christian leader after Christian leader after Christian leader. Not just the leaders of the churches in town, although they'll be included, and not just the leaders of the big parachurch ministries, although they'll be included. But I want you as Central Florida, I want all of this community to see what God has given us in distributing His church all around Central Florida. I want to interview business people that, that, that are, are just doing their work out of, out, because they, they want to be excellent for Christ. And Christ is using them. I want to interview um, um, teachers and students. I want to interview um, um, people who, who have come up with ministries here and there and, and, and just have blessed people. I want to interview probably the most powerful ministry leaders of all, and those are, those are, the, are the moms in the homes. I want to interview those people. And, the, and, and I just want to link the eyes of the community with these people. In some, in, some, in some instances, it'll be appropriate for people to call them directly. But this is not about me. It's not about Northland. It's just about linking, just about being a branch. That's your job. Your job is just to link God with whoever you see, and you don't really have to strategize. You just have to be out there. Look at the last part of this scripture. Last part of this scripture, verses 7 through um, um, 16 is, is, is what is called in, in literary structure a chiasm. Now, chi, you, you know the Greek letter chi, it's an X. And, and the, the reason they call this, this literary structure a chiasm is because Jesus begins to note the characteristics of what happens when somebody is linked with him, it abides in him. And he, st he starts with prayer, and, he starts and then he goes to following commandments and so on and so forth. And, and, and if, you, if you, by the way, want to trace that chiasm, you will see, and it has a middle verse. The, 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 the verses at each end match, and then the verses closer match, and then the verses closer, closer match each other. And then the middle verse, in this case, is verse 11. That, that uh, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. So the result of all this is joy. It's not work, it's joy. And so, so here's how it goes. He says in verse 7, he's talking about prayer. Verse 7 matches verse 16. Verse 8 matches verse 14 and 15. Verse 9 matches verse, six, verse 13, I'm sorry. And verse 10 matches verse 12. But here's what you, here's what you want to get out of that. He starts out with a relationship that is structured. And then he starts talking about commandments. Now, what are commandments? Do you know that commandments in Scripture are not about behavioral modification? Do you know that? Read the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments have everything to do with relationships, how a relationship works. The first part of the Ten Commandments are about our relationship with God. If you follow those, you will keep your relationship with God fresh. Second part of the Ten Commandments, don't steal, don't, don't bear false witness, don't commit adultery. If you, commit, if you follow those, you will not damage your relationship with people. 
Commandments are always about relationships, not about behavior. And so when he says, if you keep my commandments, he's talking about maintaining a relationship with God. I want you to notice when he, sa- when he comes down, when it comes down to the verse where he says, um, and, and no longer do I call you slaves, I call you friends. That has to do with, very interestingly, slaves simply follow orders. They simply behave as the master wants them to. But friends, do you realize who the Jews have been raising to be his opponents all during this discourse? Two people, Moses and Abraham. Both of them have a designation in in the Old Testament. You know what the designation is? Friends of God. And this is what Jesus is saying. If you're close to me, you're the friends of God. No longer do I call you slave. I call you friends. And so it's not just a couple of people. It's all of us that are close to God. So what does all this mean? Let me give it to you real simple. Let me me give it to you in a story. Uh, Ray Steadman, some of you know, a wonderful pastor out west. And he has a friend who does a camp uh, for what he calls the upper, upper and outers. It's a ranch he runs for the upper and outers. You've heard of down and outers? Well, there's up and outers. People who have, whose, whose riches have made them isolated and have kind of ruined their life. There are a lot of people who just don't know how to handle money. And so they come and they're empty and they go to this ranch. Now, this guy's a Christian, but he doesn't have a strategy per se for evangelism. What he does is he hires students on this ranch. And there's, there's only 30 spots and he usually has like 300 applications. And somebody once asked him how he decided who to hire. And, and, and he said, well, after I go through and I call out the people who just don't have the skill for what we need, there are still a number of them left. And I asked the remaining number three questions. Number one, do you love work? Do you love work? He said, these, these, these kids are going to, be, going to be working sometimes 15 hours a day. They got to love it. Why do you think it says in the Bible, go and bear fruit? Usually when we think about abiding in Christ... We think about staying by yourself and just, you know, all. No, go and bear fruit. It says, I've chosen you that you might go and bear fruit and your fruit might remain. So, so part of our responsibility is just to be out there, just to be out there and loving it. Second, he says, I ask them if they love people. Do you, are you really interested in people? And third, I ask them if they love Jesus. He said, if I find 30 kids who answered those enthusiastically, yes. I just stick them in there. And he said, you know what happens? Time after time after time after time, when there was no strategy, people come back and say, what did those kids have? What, what was in their life that's not in mine? I want that. And what happens is just flow through this life. They, didn't, they, they were just doing what they loved doing. They were just loving people. They were just serving them. And they, were, they had this thing going with Jesus over here. And there's great results. The greatest professor I ever had in seminary was not the professor who knew the most, although he was a brilliant man. It was a professor who loved Jesus the most. Every time this guy opened his Bible, big tears would start to stream down his face because he got to read the words of Jesus. He changed my life. If you love Jesus, what happens is... (laughs) You won't be able to imagine what will happen. Pray with me. God, thanks that, that it is simple.
thank you that it's not a set of rules and a set of strategies that we must, we must obey. It is about just being close to you. Lord, let us cling to you and then flow through us in whatever way will bless others. Help us not to concentrate on our own growth, but to concentrate on loving you, praising you, adoring you, and loving others. And then, Lord, do whatever you will. We know that it'll be greater than anything that we could ever ask or think. And we thank you ahead of time. In Jesus' name.